0: This is Around the Rim with China Robinson.
1: Hello, basketball fans, and welcome to Around the Rim, your ESPNW women's basketball podcast. And it is March Madness time. If you can't get excited right now, there's a big problem because it's water-to-wall basketball. It's March Madness, which means craziness happens. And we have you covered on this podcast as far as what's going on in women's hoops. Now, I'm not going to talk you to death in the intro like I normally do because we have too many great guests to talk about. We have Cheneal Gumake who's going to join us in the first quarter to talk about the Pac-12. We have Big Ten, Lisa Byington, joining us in the second quarter. We also have... Tariqa. yo Foster. Rasby, my producer. See, you thought I forgot about you. I do,
2: because you know how she forgets my last name all the time, right?
1: But I did not forget about you. So, yes, we have Tariqa, our fabulous producer on the show. Um, Also, in the second quarter, we have Big 12, Brenda Van Langen, who is smothered and covered. She is the queen of the Big 12, who is going to recap um, a major upset in that conference tournament championship. And then in the third quarter, we will talk ACC and SEC Conference Tournament Championships. Chelsea Shine will join us to talk about the ACC. And in the SEC, we have none other than Gail gessen one of my favorite people in the entire world, will join the show. Fans, before we get started, we just want to remind you uh, that you can hit us up on social media, hashtag Around the Rim. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Lachina Robinson, and Tarika is at... She knows sports underscore, and that is Tariqa Foster Brasby because she is married. So let's get that straight. <laughs> um, you can download us on the ESPN app, and you can also um, subscribe on iTunes. So, with that, let's kick it into the first quarter.
3: <laughs> first quarter.
1: This is an oldie but goodie, y'all. And I'm just, I might drop a tear right now because we have the originator of the show really the creator of the show, because it was her brilliant idea um, a couple years back when we were working together at NBA TV to, to create a platform where we can talk women's basketball in a refreshing, cool, young, I'm not as cool as her, uh, but just in a different That's way. So No one want, is as cool as Chanae. So, so we <laughs> want to welcome to the show, welcome back to the show, Chanae Ogumike. Yeah.
0: I'm so glad to be back. And you know, you just lied through that entire first whole intro because this was you, this was your brainchild. That was just hype man.
1: No, I look, we were tired because we had a long day in studio, but I'm pretty sure you were like, Hey, well, we both were, we were, we were working together. Uh, <laughs> what's up? You went big time on us. Like this was the springboard to to this new career um, in entertainment. <laughs> I mean, what's, what's going on? How, what, how are you doing?
0: not not big time just hustling you know just grinding um so yeah i've been working with the pac-12 networks a little bit with espn um staying busy obviously working the platform of basketball in africa so just staying busy and obviously you know i got injured so the best thing to do is to keep your mind busy and so i i've found ways to keep myself busy but it's been fun it's been really cool
1: and how's rehab coming along do you feel like uh, could we see you this WNBA season
0: you know, I think I take it one day at a time, but I'm doing well. My doctors, honestly, I've had no pain. Everything's been going as well as it could go. Um, so I'm very optimistic, but, you know, I'm trying to keep it real as well. I'm trying to make sure that I don't get injured again. I've had, You know, I've had a couple bumps in the road, and I think I'm good with the bumps. I just want to stay, stay cruising, stay on the court as much as I can. So, um, you know, everything's going well. I'm lucky.
1: You have had some bumps, but you know what? When I think about injuries, the first player that always comes to my mind is Tamika Catchings. And if there, I don't know anyone that has had as many injuries. I'm pretty sure she's had Achilles. I'm pretty sure she's had an ACL. She's had every injury I can think of, and yet she retired as one of the greatest players to ever play. And so I know everybody's body is different, but that's always my source of inspiration. Like, if Tamika can do it, I'm sure you can, Tanae. I know you can. This is true. I we know can I can. You push through it. And you're being modest about everything that you've been doing. Yes, you've been covering the Pac-12, but I've seen you at NBA All-Star. You oh my and, Lord. and Candace. I've seen you with, um, oh, gosh, <laughs> everyone. I mean, you you have – I'm looking at your Instagram right now, and you are – you have every star I could want to hang out at NBA's All-Star with all, right here on your Instagram. I mean, how fun was that?
0: <laughs> New Orleans was amazing. It was fun to – you know, I'm sort of like the third wheel to the the new set of sisters, uh, Necca and Candice. So uh, mm-hmm. Necca was playing, it, Nneka and Candice were playing in the celebrity game, which is really neat. New Orleans is an amazing city. Plus, it was all it was a Mardi Gras weekend, which was crazy. Um, so it was fun, and you know, I like to meet people. I'm a people person, so I got to meet a lot of different people, and um, it was sort of like a family reunion kind of. So. I had a blast. You know, I live it up, La China. Oh, you do. You
1: have
2: fun. Let's I not for, love let's that. not forget her first take appearance that she had too. First take. Mm. I know just you've slid been through. just slid through a little
1: bit low key, well, Very and, low key. And I love how you've been spreading your knowledge via social media into the political side. You're following men's basketball. You got a little bit of everything. So you know, we're we're proud of you. Let's just say that we're we're salty that you're you're no longer with us. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but we are very proud of you and we are excited in watching you. So, let's talk about the Pac-12 because you're Stanford Cardinal. I mean, gosh, Tara, I mean, okay. Let's let's back up a little bit though. Let's go to the <laughs> quarterfinals. We're looking at the different matchups and really the the major upset was uh Oregon took out the Washington Huskies in the quarterfinals and obviously fans know a lot about the Washington Huskies making the final four last season. Kelsey Plum, who is now the all-time career leading scorer in, in women's college basketball history, um, but they got knocked out. What happened in that game, in your opinion, Shanae? So it's funny. I, I've told people multiple times that what I look for when it
0: comes to conference tournaments are players that leave their mark. So they're teams that know that they are going to be in the NCAA tournament. You know, the Washingtons, the Stanfords, the Oregon States, the UCLAs. But there are teams that are also fighting for that bubble spot. And Oregon had already established that they wanted it. They wanted it from the last weekend of conference play when they played the Bay Area schools, And then entering the conference tournament, they knew that they also had to add to their resume this final push. But I also look for one thing specifically. Young players that sort of make their big shining moment Um, leave leave an impact and it came to me a while ago so I lost my semifinal game in the Pac-12 tournament, my final conference game ever, lost to USC in the semifinals and it was tough but that loss helped us recalibrate our offense and defense to be ready come March right, Mm -hmm. so I'm looking at Washington, Washington a great team they went to the final four last year you see a young hungry buck like Sabrina Nescu, Ruthie Hebert that come out and they're trying to leave their mark. Kelsey Plum did the same thing to me when I was a senior and she was a freshman. Washington beat us my senior year. Now Oregon, I see the rising talent, the new rising um, class of freshmen that are also leaving their mark. So it's cool. I like to see the, the regeneration of talent. Upsets also show that these are young players that are extremely capable to hold down the pack in the future. Um, but yeah, so that, that Oregon win was huge, not only for them, their program, but also put them on the radar and put, in particular, Sabrina Inescu, who is probably the person that, you, for the next three, four years, you need to keep on triple-double watch. Um, something that Coach, Coach Tebow said that she could be playing in the WNBA today. Her handles are so effortless. Kelsey Plum made that mark on me as a senior. She balled out. We lost to them. Sabrina is doing the same thing to Kelsey. It's the rejuvenation and the you know, passing the torch of talent on the West Coast that I look for and I notice.
1: Yeah, Sabrina Idescu is amazing, leading the country in triple-doubles. I mean, as a freshman, I'm like, what is – what, what, what? And Kelly Graves is an amazing coach. I mean, you can't leave that part out that he knows what it takes to get a team ready at this time of the year. So Oregon presses on, um, and they meet with your Stanford Cardinal. On the other side of that, UCLA – would meet up with Oregon State, who, you know, uh, Scott Ruick. when you look at what this team lost last season, uh, the fact that he has them in this tournament as the number one seed is just amazing. But what did you learn about UCLA and and, and Oregon State in the matchup between those two teams? Well, first of all,
0: the best one-two punch on the West Coast in the Pac-12 is Kelsey Plum and Chantel Osahor. The second best one-two punch is Monique Billings in Jordan, Canada. And they're extremely athletic performers. What I like about UCLA in particular is having a good point guard and also a post because that makes your offense way more versatile, right? Um, And then with regard to Oregon State, well, UCLA is the type of team, like last year, they can surprise you in the tournament because they're athletic and they have people that are hoopers that can make shots. So you always want to bet on those types of teams in the tournament because they can just ball. Um, Now, Oregon State, they're sort of the reverse. um, Coach Scott Rook is a mastermind. He does what Coach Tara does, creates great defensive game plan, scouts. He actually forces you to take the shots that he wants you to take. You're going to have to make those shots to beat Oregon State. Now, Cindy Weiss, offensively, I saw her come one, two, double, step back three, spot up three, off a pick and roll three, and then also get to the basket. People tend to forget that she's six feet tall. So at the point guard Mm -hmm. spot, she'll be a tough matchup regardless of any defense uh, that you face in the tournament. So you have two different teams. One is more natural, effortless, athleticism, go with the flow of the game, as in UCLA. And then you've got an Oregon State that's way more structured, but you have elite talent at point and you have elite size. So those are two teams that could go very far in the tournament. I think Oregon State, they rely on their experience considering that they won back-to-back Pac-12 tournament, back-to-back Pac-12 uh, regular season championships, and they made it to the finals of the tournament, which is not easy to do, considering how deep the Pac-12 conference is. they're diff- That's the beauty of the Pac. And you know me, I always back the Pac. I always rep the Pac. <laughs> very versatile teams, very different types of teams. So it depends on matchups. And if they have advantageous matchups in the tournament, you can see another Final Four with maybe two teams from the Pac-12.
1: Well, I mean, uh, let's just note Tariq and I are going on the record to say we hey, started we started the podcast with the Pac-12. So we have Hello. okay. You 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 turned it up on the West Coast, I feel like uh, on around the rim from the
0: bottom. Now we're here. <laughs> that's Not right.
1: The Come, I whole here. There you go. Exactly. Um, So on the other side of things, Stanford uh, would advance past Oregon. I mean, having to play three games in a row I know was definitely tough. But then the Stanford Cardinal uh, team is looking good. And they would roll into the championship game against Oregon State. And these two teams, the last time I saw them meet um, in the regular season, for the regular season championship, The score was very similar, two defensive-minded teams, two we-will-scout-you-to-the-second-and-third-page coaches. So much defense. Um, What did you see in the the championship game between Oregon State and Stanford?
0: You know, I shouldn't say it, but, you know, I'm just a blunt person.
1: I'm surprised
0: Stanford pulled out. Surprised in the sense that Oregon State had basically ran the game up into the fourth quarter, maybe even midway through the fourth quarter. And um, Stanford sort of, they started off the game down about 15 points in the first quarter. But like like I said earlier, it was a defensive matchup, two defensive minds going up against each other. And it comes down to who will make plays. And towards the end, you see that Stanford, the way they run their offense is through committee. It's not necessarily where you know a Sydney Weiss is going to come out and give you 18 points and Seven assists, right? Stanford, it could be Erica McCall like, going off like she did in the semifinals. It could be uh, Bree Roberson, you know, out athletic, um, out athleting, or what, what's the term? Just, just Girl, we make team. up words on
1: this show. You can say whatever
0: know, you almost, want. Out, you know, she's, she's she's at a point guard position. She's very small, but she hounds. She hounds the person she's guarding against. And she can get out and transition and ignite Stanford's offense. Um, It could be Carly Samuelson, whose sister I saw went 10 for 10. She's capable of going 10 for 10. So Stanford goes by committee, and this time their bench stepped up. Alana Smith had 18 points. That was huge for Stanford. Um, They had contributions from people that not necessarily, like, showed up in the stat sheet, but hustle plays. Whenever you're 50, whenever you have 50-50 balls, 50-50 balls, Stanford got them the second half of the fourth quarter. So that's why Stanford ends up winning. Um, But I think Oregon State, they stick to their game plan, and usually they're successful. Usually they're successful. So, I mean, Stanford, it it was a surprise to me in the sense that Oregon State ran the show for so long. But Stanford knows they've been there. They've done that. And I'm glad they had their moment because Oregon State won regular season. But Stanford, they have a confidence builder going into the tournament as well.
1: Yeah, Tara Vanderveer just has a way of getting the most and the best out of her team at this time of the year, as you know. And I, and I don't know the numbers, but I'm pretty sure it would be hard to beat Tara in a back-to-back situation like that. You know what I'm saying? You just played them, lost regular season, and then she meets you again. Um, yeah, she's probably going to burn you. Before we let you go, um Trinae, I wanted to run through Charlie Cream's projections, and you tell me if you have any issues with this. Um. As of right now, he has six teams out of the Pac-12. Oregon State. Two. Oh, all right. Let's back up. Who who, Who's he missing? Who Who deserves? Okay, so Cal is on the bubble right now. Why should Cal be in the NCAA tournament?
0: Two words. Actually, three words. Actually, four words. Nyjah sis Christine Anigwe. People need to see her. Uh, Pac-12 has the number one. I knew where you are going. We, we're on twin speak with China. <laughs> yeah, we number are. One. Pac-12 has the number one RPI for the second year in a row. How many teams last year came out from the SEC? Was it seven teams that they got a record? Seven teams? When you have a two-years back-to-back number one RPI and you could put a seven team in, and this seven team is Cal, a Cal team that did win their first game. Christina Nigue is must-watch basketball. Um, they're they're a young team very athletic but they're capable of beating teams that have higher uh, what's the, what's the proper term lower seeds you know if they're a yeah that's always eight or nine, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're capable of winning but Christina Nigue is someone that people need to talk about you know nowadays everyone numbers never lie everyone knows Kelsey Plum right now because of what she's done in the record books but they should have known her years before Christina Nigue we can't wait till our senior year to to know who she is and why she's dominant. She's averaging 20 points for the second year in a row, nearly. She's a sophomore, and she's ready. I've seen her. The first time I watched her play, I was like, she could play in the WNBA right now. She's a beast. She's she's someone that you can't scout against.
1: No. Yeah, I it's, think, it's just I think relentless that's... heart and effort. It's relentlessness. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I was so
0: you. definitely off the bubble. Off the bubble for me. I think they're in there. But you know, right. I'm not a professional. I'm not a bracketologist.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're not a bracketologist. Let me ask you this: with with Baylor's recent loss, do you think anyone out of the Pac-12 deserves a one seed? Um, I would, I would, I would say it's it sounds
0: tough, but well, I don't know. I'm fifty 50-50. I think Baylor. I mean, I was talking to someone earlier today. I'm not surprised about. West Virginia winning because when you see a team that wins against Texas in a semifinal, them winning again in a conference tournament is not a fluke. They're they're playing well, they're trending upward. Those are the teams that do well in the tournament. Um, So I wouldn't say that that loss is going to hurt too much either team. It just might change where people go um, Mm -hmm. and and who the number twos will have to play against, right? Um, So I I, I wouldn't say a Pac-12 team slides up. I wouldn't say a Pac-12 team sides up. I would just say that it might switch the logistics of the tournament in
1: seating, See, like and where you Ch- go. Chennai can look at the big picture beyond Pac-12. We, you have, you know what? I got to give you a hand for that. I, I thought for sure you, know, what you honestly, were going ah, to say. I, I keep it real. You do, and we appreciate that. We appreciate you for that. Uh, for fans' sake, with Chynay's. Thoughts on Cal getting in. That would make 17 from the Pac 12. Oregon State as a two seed, Stanford as a two, Washington as a three, UCLA as a four seed, Um, ASU, Arizona State as a seven seed, Oregon as an eight. And then Cal, who knows what the seed will be? But Janae said they are off the bubble and in the NCAA tournament. Chanae, we know that you're rehabbing and all of that. Is there anything coming up we can support you in? We know you're on social media at Chanae321. Is that right?
0: Yes, that is me, 321. I mean, I'm actually about to take off to uh, Kenya and Rwanda to do a good world trip with NBA NBA Africa and um, an organization called Shooting Touch, uh, a nonprofit. And so, yeah, we get to expand the game, basketball without borders. So if you want to follow on that, That'll be coming up for the next week and a half or
1: so. So, yeah. Tarika, how proud are you of this girl? I
2: I can't even express to everyone how proud and how excited I am with Chanae. And just to throw this out there, I have been begged by a specific Twitter follower a fellow Michigan State Spartan who is absolutely in love with Cheney. So, when he hears how awesome you have been putting forth work to bring basketball across borders, he's going to be super excited for you. Uh oh, <laughs> oh. That, oh
1: sounds,
0: God, I
2: appreciate
1: that it. sounds a little bit bachelorish, like bachelorette type. <laughs> I mean, is this person, I mean, you put a little bit of something is into that. Is this person that, over six? Six, three. This
2: person is over 6'3", very well educated. I mean, I believe Uh-oh. me, you will know when he hears this podcast because he will tweet you. Around the calm, room, baby.
1: love connection style. We are going to cut it right there. It <laughs> with goes that. Down it does go down, yeah, tell her. Tell them it goes down to you. We'll we'll finish that off there. Chanae, thank you so much for your time as always, and thank you for joining the show. Good luck with everything. We we want to see you win. It makes me happy when you win. So thank you know, your you help, you guys. Much, much, everything love. else. Yes, and we will talk to you again soon. Sounds good. Safe travels.
3: Second quarter inside the huddle.
1: Fans, it is our second quarter on Around the Rim, and we had a fun time last week bringing some different analysts on the show. Last week, we were non-Power 5. This week, we are going with the Power 5 conferences, and, you know, we don't get enough time to hear from the voices uh, behind the scenes in women's basketball, analysts, play-by-play, sideline reporters, so we hope you're getting a good taste of that. And to continue With that theme, uh, we're bringing on one of my favorite analysts, play-by-play, just people overall in the coverage of women's basketball. Please join me in welcoming Brenda Van Langen into the show. Welcome, Brenda.
4: Thank you so much. I've been looking forward to this. Thank you for the invitation.
1: Oh, for sure. And we're probably late, so we'll apologize for that. Tariq and I have just finished our first year. Uh, with around the rim and boy, it was it was a ride. It was a whirlwind. So we're learning and we're pacing and we're trying to um, also be more inclusive. So if you get another invitation uh, from us shortly after this, don't be shocked. So we're gonna, <laughs> we're going to talk Big Twelve with Brenda, even though she's worldwide, including WNBA, where she does a fantastic job there. But looking at the Big Twelve Conference Tournament, I mean, I, this is. Arguably the biggest upset. I mean, to, mm-hmm. it is in the Power Five. Um, let's start with the semifinals where you had K State. I mean, they've had a great year. Baylor, obviously, mm-hmm. Baylor prevailed to the championship round. And then it was um, a Texas team that has been interesting to watch in the last couple of weeks. They lost in the semifinals to West Virginia. Um, let's start with this semifinals round, Brendan, what you saw from the teams there.
4: Sure. Uh, it was a, a fun, a fun weekend in Oklahoma City and, uh, some great games. And you talked about Kansas State, I think has had a, a great year with their point guard, Kendra Wiesman and Brianna Lewis inside and, and a lot of role players around, but just not enough against Baylor in the semifinals. But, you know, uh, uh, Kansas State's going to, cause a lot of problems when they match up with teams in the NCAA tournament because they play a lot of different zone looks. And uh, Baylor was able to uh, break through the zone, although it was a closer game than they had played in the the regular season. And then in the other semifinal, uh, West Virginia was coming off the upset over Oklahoma as the sixth seed. West Virginia beat Oklahoma and, and beat them big in the quarterfinals and then faced a Texas team that they hadn't beaten this year, had lost twice to. And they just um, they shot extremely well, West Virginia. They, they played excellent defense, and it came down to a last-second shot. Brooke McCarty of Texas had an opportunity to tie it up at the buzzer and missed it, uh, and West Virginia advanced on to the finals. But, uh, you know, you said Texas has been interesting, and, and they have. You know, they went on the road and they beat Baylor in the regular season. Then they had that Monday night out-of-conference game, traveling all the way to Florida State, and then it goes to double overtime, and they win. So two top five victories in a week, and then since then, they've lost four of their last six. But three of those were on last-second shots. So it's not like they've just tumbled and aren't playing well. They just they aren't hitting the shots that they did against Baylor and Florida State to get the win. They, they lost on those shots, and... They 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 look tired and it'll uh, I think you know Karen Aston will have time to regroup with them over the next week and a half two weeks getting ready for the NCAA tournament and, and they should be back to form.
1: That's interesting that you say that because I we the number one thing you think about when you think about the way Texas plays is their all out intensity aggressiveness and their pace of play. I mean I get tired watching that team and that's a compliment because I just yeah. feel like they play all out every possession. So you wonder if that's starting. Um, to wear on them. So this rest time or this downtime should help if, if you think fatigue is, is definitely or plays a part in this. Now, you, you made a great point. We should have went back one round because number <laughs> 22, Oklahoma, um, actually got knocked out by West Virginia first. So think about this course that West Virginia took the championship game, beating uh-huh. number 22, Oklahoma, beating number 14, Texas, and then the big matchup. Uh, they uh-huh. meet with the Baylor Lady Bears, the number two team in the country right now, and even without Alexis Jones, heavily favored, uh-huh. Mike Carey's team won that game. Brenda, how did that happen? <laughs>
4: uh, you know, I think everybody is surprised, but the way West Virginia was playing, the way, the momentum they had gained, the way they played against Oklahoma and Texas, were shooting so well, their defense was devastating. You know, you knew that if they played like that against Baylor, they'd have a chance. Uh, I think the the surprising thing in the final was West Virginia played like they did in the quarters and semifinals. But Baylor, who had been playing well without Alexis Jones, they had uh, Dakia Cohen step in to the starting role. They were using their depth. Alexis Prince was shooting well. Nina Davis was playing well. Uh, they were playing. They were getting so much out of their depth. And Kim Mulkey has said, "This is the deepest team I've ever had at Baylor." But in the mm. final, Baylor had zero bench points, and mm. I think mm. it, it was really interesting to see because you know you have all these veterans that have won three Big 12 tournament championships in a row in Christy Wallace and Nina Davis in. Uh, Alexis Prince but it was the the younger players off the bench that had supplied so much you know when they bring in their bench they, they don't drop off at Baylor it just they just keep coming at you coming at you and you know third whether it was the third game in 3 days or the youth or the pressure of the tournament I'm not sure but they didn't get anything out of their bench and I think that was the difference in the game and the fact that West Virginia um came into the Big 12 tournament not knowing if they were going to get an NCAA bid. They knew they had to win at least one and maybe two and then Mike Carey said to them after that are like, hey, we've won two, why not win three? And <laughs> Tyneese Martin was a superstar. She was yes. amazing. She she hit four three-pointers in each of the three wins. She averaged 27 points a game. She She has a jump shot like the best of the WNBA players and she was playing in front of her her family, her parents, and her brother were there. Made the fourteen-hour drive from Atlanta to Oklahoma City.
1: Yeah, and ATL. <laughs> she,
4: yeah, exactly. So she was phenomenal and and the difference maker and the most outstanding player. And what a run for West Virginia!
1: So Baylor is expected to get Alexis Jones back, and we're taking. I'm taking a look right now at Charlie Crean's latest. West Virginia upset of Baylor propelled the Mountaineers um, another seed line to the seven. Um, It also put them in the same pod as Stanford, so that would make them the host, which was huge, based on what Charlie projects. Now, Baylor dropped to the fourth number one seed, so they're still number one seed, but the number four overall, which in Charlie's mind, moves them from the OKC regional to Stockton. Um, and then mm. South Carolina would now be in the OKC. That moved some other teams around. Texas is in OKC as a three seed. So just to recap really quickly, wow. and I just want to get any thoughts you have on, on this. Uh, Big 12 expected to get six teams in. Baylor as a one seed. Texas as a three. Oklahoma as a five. Kansas State as a six. West Virginia as a seven. Iowa State as a ten. Anything there concern you at all or any other teams we should be looking at?
4: No, I think I think that's pretty accurate. I think six teams. I'll be interested to see if the committee does that to Baylor because uh, I would think that Baylor will stay uh, uh, either a, the two or three number one seed to go to Oklahoma City uh, based on their overall body of work. But uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the committee does there. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I think that's pretty that's pretty true on as far as all those Iowa State who, uh, you know, finished at 9-9 nine and nine in the conference actually beat West Virginia twice. So, uh, you know, they can hang their hat on that, even though, and then West Virginia goes on to, to win the tournament. So, you know, strong teams, they're very different. Baylor, Texas, West Virginia, all really hard-nosed man-to-man teams. Oklahoma, Kansas State, Iowa State, more mix-it-up kind of defensive teams. So, you know, they're, since they played each other in the Big 12, they're prepared for different styles, and I think that depending on matchups, could pose a lot of problems in the NCAA tournament.
1: Well, we'll keep our eyes on that Oklahoma site for Baylor because that makes a big difference um, for the Bears Mm -hmm. fans and just the overall feel of what will happen with them um, if they don't end up in Oklahoma. We'll also keep our eyes out on Tyneese Martin, um, who sounds Mm -hmm. like she's doing big things for Mike Carey's team. And, Brenda, where can we follow you on social media and and how can we keep up – with you during the NCAA tournament and beyond?
4: Well, uh, probably the best way on Twitter, and it's just my full name, Brenda Van Lingen. I'm also on Facebook under Brenda Van Lingen Broadcaster. Uh, and then I have an Instagram account as well, Brenda Van Lingen TV. And I'm waiting for my assignments uh, for the NCAA tournament, first and second rounds, like we all are. So we'll find out. And uh, I'm just I'm looking forward to it. It's been a great year covering... Not only the Big 12, but the SEC and the Big 10 and a few ESPN2 games here and there. And it's been a fun season. I'm looking forward to the postseason.
1: Well, you've done a fantastic job. And I know you'll also be covering the Ivy League, right? Is that?
4: I am, yes. I'm going to be on the first ever Ivy League championship this weekend. That's the semifinals finals awesome. on Saturday and the finals on Sunday. That's right, because they
1: usually just go with the conference winner. And uh, this that year, means. the Ivy League is going to have their own championship. So we will look forward to coverage there by you and Carol Ross. We also had Megan yeah. Perry, um, who will be there with you as well. Thank you so much for your time, Brenda. And um, you'll, you'll be back on this show. Don't be a stranger. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. Have a great show. Thanks for your time. Basketball fans, we are continuing our walk around the Power 5 conferences, reviewing what happened at conference tournaments, and right now we have with us someone that you're probably used to seeing me with. That's right. It is my boo from the boo crew. Join me in welcoming Lisa Byington. Welcome, Lisa.
5: Hey, boo-boo.
1: How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? You're, you're We're in the same hotel right now. But, okay, so let's just we're going to be, but let's get it straight. Which, we are
3: actually not sitting next to each other. We are actually right. separate places in the hotel. So this is kind of a legit conversation. This
1: is this like right is legit conversation, other. but I felt like we were cheating the experience if we didn't at least say we're in the same city. Like we just saw each other <laughs> around. So, okay. So now we got that out the way. Um, Lisa Byington played at Northwestern. Um, she's a fabulous play by play. Um, what do you call it? Play-by-play, what? What are you? Magician? Commentator? Which one do you like best?
3: Oh, play-by-play? I think that's the rule. I mean, if you want to okay. call me extraordinaire or magician, yeah. I'll take any yeah.
1: of those. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. Absolutely. We'll check, do all of check, that. Check, check, check. Check, and check. Okay, so she's just play-by-play, but she also could be an analyst if she wants to. She's a great sideline reporter. By the way, congratulations. You will be on the sideline for the men's NCAA tournament, which is so awesome and well-deserved. Yay!
3: Yeah, well, thank you. You know, I'm excited um, about that, too, because I get paired with uh, with Debbie Antonelli on her team. That's she's right. she's the first female analyst on the men's side, which is awesome.
1: In a very, very long time. And also, Lisa um, covers the WNBA as uh, the voice of the Chicago Sky. So, Lisa, before Tariqa tells me to be quiet, let's talk about the Big Ten tournament. We'll start with Purdue, because they were the big story. In the quarters, as the five seed, they beat the number four seed, Indiana, they went on to play Ohio State, and this is where things got tricky. Uh, what happened in that game from your perspective, Lisa? It
3: was well, it was a classic matchup of the best defense in the Big Ten um, against one of the best offenses in the Big Ten. And, and the headline, there were two headlines in my opinion. The first headline was Purdue's defense. On Kelsey Mitchell and doing something in her career that only UConn has done, and that's hold Mitchell to single digit points. Um, She just, she was frustrated all game, never could get a rhythm going. And um, when Ohio State struggles scoring, um, they're not going to win many basketball games. Um, You know, defense has not been one of their strengths throughout the year. So when Purdue took away their top score, and no one else was performing um it just it was a miserable miserable day for ohio state and purdue looked awfully impressive um and in my opinion um that I mean, you mentioned the the quarterfinal game that purdue beat indiana in as well as uh the, the semifinal against ohio state some of the stars they have a senior in ashley morissetti who is their leader she is uh, she's their point guard um But the the story that's not really told is the freshman class that Purdue has. And Ariana Harris is one of the best shot blockers in the conference. And Dominique Oden had a career high to help beat Indiana. Um, And Lamina Cooper was big in the Ohio State games. So a lot of people, at least in the Big Ten world, talk about Maryland's freshman class and the group that they have. But in my opinion, um, the three freshmen who get most of the playing time for Purdue um, are, are close behind that, that Maryland freshman class, and they were were super significant, and especially the quarterfinal win against Indiana and the semifinal win against Ohio State.
1: Now, on the other side of that bracket, as Purdue obviously moves on, if you can shut down Kelsey Mitchell, you deserve the right to move on, um, it was Maryland versus Michigan State. I know Tori Jankoska has had a fantastic season. Maryland would go on to win, but what do you think ultimately...
3: Um, happened in that matchup? Well, uh, Brianna Jones, first of all, had one of her best shooting uh, days of her career. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it was something like um, 12 of 13 or or 13 of 14. And, you know, I have to be honest, in my opinion, um, I actually developed a newfound respect for her in that game and watching her. Because, you know, you have the opinion that, that, that posts don't do a lot of work, that, that maybe their teammates set her up, and that's why she leads the country in field goal percentage. But I'm telling you what, she did a little bit of everything. She was diving on the floor. She was doing her usual um, rebounding. But there were some catches that she made in the post that made me realize that she is more athletic than I think a lot of people give her credit for. Uh, Some of the the thread the needle passes or some of the passes she had to catch and then eventually make a move to get to the bucket um, were awfully impressive. And, frankly, Michigan State just didn't have an answer for her and and didn't have an answer for her senior backcourt mate in Shatori Walker-Kimbrough.
1: Nice, Lisa. Let me just say this, too. I enjoyed the fact that you – just gave the post players some love. You know, some people make think post players. I think very often. I don't like,
3: a point guard. I'm normally a guard loving kind of person, but I'm telling you, man, I, I,
1: I had the best feet in
3: the house and I was impressed.
1: But the way you started that off, like, you know, some people may think post players. I was like, wait a minute, where is this going? But nice finish on that. Okay. So Maryland <laughs> goes on to meet Purdue and is, um, Purdue is just outmatched here, but boy, did they put up a fight. Um, championship game your thoughts
3: yeah well uh I think Purdue hung with Maryland especially in the first half but then Ashley Morissetti got injured a little bit and that really sort of uh yeah obviously that's going to hurt Purdue she's their best player so um the Boilermakers just were not the same and um no one no one other than Ohio State has been able in the Big Ten to figure out the formula to beat Maryland. And there's just something about that when they get to a championship-type atmosphere or a championship-type title game, when you have two seniors that have already been to Final Fours, um, that have already won championships, that have, remember this, Maryland has never lost a Big Ten tournament game. So you think that Breonna Jones and Tori Walker-Kimbrough are going to be playing in their last Big Ten tournament game and lose it? I don't think so. They were just They were just way too tough.
1: Yeah, they had 27 points and 12 rebounds from Breonna Jones. And then um, also Destiny Slocum had 14 points and 7 assists. So so looking at Charlie Cream's projections for the Big Ten, um, he has four teams in, Maryland at a 2 seed, Ohio State at a 5, Michigan State at a 9, and Michigan at a 10. And, yes, this is his last projection, and I'm wondering – if I has thought he had updated. Purdue
3: in as a 10 as well, so he had five. Yeah,
1: I believe he does. Okay, so let's throw that in. He has Purdue in as a 10. Any problems whatsoever with any of that?
3: No. No, not at all. Um, you know, that, that fifth spot uh, for, um, for getting five Big Ten teams in, it comes down to Indiana-Purdue. And, and what's ironic is the fact that Indiana beat Purdue in the only regular season meeting – um, but it's almost, you know, we live in a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately world. And though Indiana was the fourth, in terms of record-wise, was the fourth-best Big Ten team, um, they have back-to-back 20-win seasons. Purdue is one of the hottest teams, like I said, not talked about, and Purdue beat Indiana uh, most recently, you know. And so, mm-hmm. um, unfortunately, the run that Purdue made, knocks Indiana, I think, out of being that fifth Big Ten team to make the NCAA. Mm,
1: that's going to be interesting to see. Terry Morin's team has been solid, but you're right. He absolutely has five teams in, and um, Indiana he has in that first four out, and that is not the place right. you want as to well be. As
3: well as Iowa, too, I think I saw.
1: Yep. Yep, looks like he's got Iowa and Indiana. So, a couple of uh, Big Ten teams looking in from the outside as of right now. Lisa Byington, thank you so much. Now, you and I are covering the Big East Championship tonight Marquette versus DePaul. Fans, tune in. Um, you know, I will tell you because I'm women's basketball, no matter what station it's on, it's on FS1. It's at 9 o'clock Eastern, and it should be a high-scoring game. DePaul has only lost twice this year in Big East play. Both of those losses uh, were to Marquette, so some teams that could put up a lot of points. Join me and Lisa, the Boo Crew. Lisa, where can fans find you on social media, and how can they follow you for the rest of the NCA tournament? I know, you again, you're on sideline. Where can fans follow you on social media?
3: Yeah, I try to make it pretty easy. Just my first and last name, Lisa Byneson. L I S A V Y I N G T O N. So that's Instagram. That's uh Snapchat. Although I said I would never be on Snapchat. I am on Snapchat, of course, on Twitter. So just my my first and last name. And Boo, I appreciate you having me on. This is like I mean, you talk about milestones in my career. I'm gonna check this off. It's oh,
1: stop. Goodbye. I will see you in a few hours. Lisa <laughs> Byington. Love you. Love boo. you boo. Fans, stay right where you are. Coming up in the second half of the show, we have ACC tournament coverage with Chelsea Shine and Gail Guestin, course. The Women's Basketball Hall of Famer will join us to talk about what went down in the SEC. Stay right where you are.
3: Third quarter. Scouting report.
1: Fans, we are moving into the third quarter. We have another Power 5 Conference Tournament Championship to break down. I want you to join me in welcoming in a fantastic analyst, a former player um, from UVA, the one and only Chelsea Shine. Welcome in, Chelsea.
5: Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, so you and I spent some time at the beach. We had a good time at at, at Myrtle Beach in South Carolina. Your view was better than mine, but we won't go there. Um, (laughs) So lots of great basketball in the ACC. This is the conference that has more top 25 teams than any other league. And um, just starting with the quarterfinals, great game, um, NC State against Louisville, but the cards would prevail, though. um, Boy, did NC State put up a fight. We do want to send our thoughts and prayers out to uh, Jennifer Maturin, who suffered an injury in that NC State game that I thought kind of rocked them. But hopefully she'll be available during the NCAA tournament. Um, Notre Dame did beat uh, Virginia. They put out your calves, but Virginia expected to make the NCAA tournament. Well, in my mind, they are totally in. So we'll talk about Mm -hmm. them later on. Florida State was the upset, though. They got beat by number seven, uh, Miami. And um, Chelsea, just your thoughts on what Miami did well or what Florida State did not do well in that game.
5: Yeah, I mean, I thought Miami just came in with a game plan. They had uh, beaten Georgia Tech the night before, who they had just played on Sunday, the final regular season game of the conference and it was another battle but I think that game gave them a lot of confidence Florida State uh, had beaten Miami twice and during the regular season both teams top 25 um, all year long and it's hard to beat a team three times in a season especially a team in the top 25 and the same exact situation happened last year when Miami had fallen to Florida State twice during the regular season and then upset them in the quarterfinals uh, and I just think that Miami came in, um, you know, getting to see a team for the third straight time, and you don't want to lose to them. And I thought their defensive schemes were great, um, changing defenses. They just really disrupted Florida State. Uh, Coach Semrat had said at halftime when we talked to her, she said, I, we just seem really sort of tentative. And she said, I don't know why. Um, and you could just sort of sense that they never really got into a rhythm. And, um, you know, Kiana Hayes, I think, is such an X factor for Miami, she had a big game, just balanced attack between JT, Jessica Thomas, and Adrian Molly, and that senior leadership on that group. I think uh, you really saw that come through in that game.
1: Yeah, I mean, Florida State's been a little bit on rocky ground towards the end of the season, um, losing to Virginia, losing to Texas, um, the early out in the ACC tournament. Um, but you're right about Miami. They just had that confidence. Katie Beyer has the ability to get her teams to really play at a high level with a lot of energy. She's got seniors in Kiana Hayes, Adrian um, Money Motley. I just usually call her Money Motley. And um, <laughs> Jessica Thomas, who I think are are key in what they can do. So when you look at the ACC, again, seven ranked teams in the top 25, tons of, of talent across the board, Notre Dame coming in favored, So Miami moves on. Then it's Duke, a team that I thought played some of their best basketball down the stretch of the Mm -hmm. regular season. They beat Syracuse. So let's skip to the semifinals. Louisville against Notre Dame, um, which really early on looked like Louisville was really in it. Um, Some frustration for Muffet in terms of her team's inability to defend consistently through stretches of Mm -hmm. this tournament. What ultimately helped Notre Dame to prevail?
5: Marina Mabry. (laughs) <laughs> I think I think when, looking at her tournament though, but really, you know that game was tied at halftime, and Lindsay Allen spent most of the first half on the bench in foul trouble, and Marina Mabry had to play point um, for most of that, and to be able to go into halftime tied, um, you know I know Muffet wasn't uh, thrilled with with that, but. Um, I think just being able to sustain with her on the bench was huge for them to be able to come back in the second half. And um, I thought she had 26 points and just her consistent play in that game in particular, but just throughout the entire tournament was huge for them. Um, But again, Notre Dame does what Notre Dame does best, and they responded in the second half. You know, I'm sure they were challenged at halftime in that game, and um, they came out and they responded uh, with the run and ultimately closed it out. But certainly their defense was a little bit exposed, I thought, um, especially in the first half. But Marina Mabry, I was impressed with her ability to sort of keep them in that thing with Lindsey Allen on the bench.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Lindsay Allen is no doubt what really keeps that team going. And Brianna Turner is also the anchor. But the maturity that I thought we saw from Marina Mabry, from uh, Arike Wale, Jackie Young, not only in the semifinals but also in the finals, I thought was really a testament to how much mm-hmm. Notre Dame has grown over the course of this year. I mean, it, I, just, I just think they've done a fantastic job. So uh, Miami then would go on to play Duke. Um, Lexie Brown, again, she's one of the hottest players in the country right now, and just really fueled them to a victory in that game. I mean, Lexi had 20, including five key points down the stretch. Down the stretch, so they would take down Miami. So it sets up the championship game between Duke and Miami. Um, Duke again is the number three seed uh, coming into the NCAA to the ACC tournament. And really, I mean, this is where you saw that Duke can be outmatched because they don't have as many weapons as Notre Dame. Fighting Irish go on to win their fourth straight ACC Tournament Championship, 84-61. to 61. I, I just thought Duke didn't have enough weapons.
5: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And, um, you know, I thought especially in the first half, Notre Dame really limited Rebecca Greenwell. They were um, – they she, she got nothing easily. Um, and, uh, you know, I thought – Lexi Brown had some huge shots and in the second half they pulled it within, it was 43 to 41 and I thought at that that was sort of the point. You came out in the second half and went on a 10-0 run. Pulled to within two and you sort of thought this is the point where they need to to sort of close the door take that next step, continue this run and um, Notre Dame at that point just Completely turned it around, and uh, Coach McCauley said afterward, "That's what just makes this. It's such a seasoned Notre Dame team, such a, a team that's so used to winning and have won four in a row." And so she said, "That's what what we didn't do a good job of. And we sort of put the pedal on the gas. We made this run, and then as soon as they responded, we sort of fell back on our heels a little bit. Um, and that's I thought down the stretch, Duke just couldn't extend that run, but." Um, I mean, Lindsey Allen, 11 points, 13 assists. Uh, it just, it's a team that you knew had the answer every time that Duke tried to make a little run. Um, and just yeah. the depth that Notre Dame has, the way they were able to continue to, to just find Brianna Turner inside Chief Finish with 18 points. Um, they're just dangerous. And when you have won three straight and you have so many of those pe- pieces of the puzzle who have been a part of two or three of those, um, you just, there's, there's no um, experience in championship games is such an intangible um, that, that I think Notre Dame's just so experienced at that level that, um, that they had an answer. But uh, you, yeah. can't, you can't discount Duke. I mean, he, Coach McCauley was saying it, the players were saying it, no one expected us to be here. You look at a team that didn't even make the NCAA tournament for the first time since 1994 last year, who goes undefeated at home Uh, and then essentially Mm -hmm. makes it to the championship game. So I I was impressed with Duke, too, and their consistency to get to that championship game. They played Notre Dame to a four-point game earlier in the season during the regular season at Notre Dame. So um, capable team, but Notre Dame in that championship experience is just uh, deadly, I think.
1: So the ACC moves on. Charlie Cream uh, projects eight teams in. Notre Dame is a one seed at the the moment. We want to tell fans, you know, Mm -hmm. this could always change. ACC... Eight teams, Notre Dame Notre Dame is a one, Florida State is a three, Duke has a three seed, Louisville as a four, NC State is a five, uh, Miami is a five seed, Syracuse has a six, Virginia as eleven. Last question for you, Chelsea. Um, are you okay with all of that? And then who do you think may what team do you think may surprise people in the NTA tournament or player?
5: Yeah, yeah, no, I think I think that's um pretty accurate i I would agree with most of those um you know it's interesting and last year in the acc we saw five teams go to the ncaa tournament um nc state barely barely not getting in and now this year you're looking at most likely eight teams so just a lot of depth this year and turn around in that sense um uh so yeah, I think I'm anxious to see what Duke's able to do. Um, again, not making it last year, how will they respond to this tough loss um, in the championship game of the ACC against Notre Dame? I think Lexi Brown, though, is such a competitor, such a gamer, um, that they'll be fun to watch. Miami will be fun to watch um, to see what, what they're able to do. You know, they, again, built confidence, I think, and gained a lot in the ACC tournament, not only boosting their resume but just – Sort of getting some more big wins on their resume was um, a confidence builder. So I'm excited uh, to see Duke, uh, NC, NC State, right? Like what they were able to do during um, during the, the season this year is so impressive. The wins they yeah. had: Florida State, Notre Dame, Louisville, Duke. Um, so that's a team that you can't count out. You can't count them out of making the Sweet yeah. 16 and, and making some noise there uh, either. Yeah. So. ACC will be will be fun to watch and then of course Notre Dame you know in Allen in our senior year uh, I would expect them to to get to the final four as well and we'll see uh, we'll see what they can do there.
1: Yeah should be a lot of fun Chelsea thank you so much for joining the show um, again just last nugget for fans keep your eyes on hosting position right now uh, Notre Dame expected to host Florida State Duke expected to host uh, Louisville. Um, and we'll keep our eyes on NC State, who I know R.W. Yep. And Sinelli thinks has earned the right to to host. And, Chelsea, where can fans find you on social media and follow you um, in your women's basketball uh, social media setting?
5: Yeah, yeah. Uh, primarily Twitter for me. It's at ShineTime50 um, is where I am most active. So can find follow me there.
1: Thank you so much for your time, Chelsea. Thank you for all the work you do for women's basketball. Uh, We appreciate you, and we'll definitely have you back on the show down the line.
5: Thanks, LaChina. I appreciate it.
1: All right, women's basketball fans. We continue to move around the Power Five conferences, recapping what happened in the tournament championships. And one of the most intriguing leagues coming into champ week has been the SEC because they just impact the landscape of what's happening in women's basketball at such a high level, and and someone who has covered all of women's basketball this year um, superbly, and in particular with a great focus on uh, what's happening in the SEC, we want to put our hands together and please join us in welcoming Gail Gesson to the show. Welcome, Gail.
6: Thank you. Thank you. So happy to be here.
1: Well, we have to add Hall of Fame to your name now because you were inducted into the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame. So um, I need to start adding that to your title. It's official. you your <laughs> Hall of Fame. <Famous. laughs> so let's talk about the SEC um, because so much has gone on in this league, especially down the stretch of, of the regular season. Let's, we'll start with the quarterfinals. Um, you know, I think, obviously, South Carolina hand, handled Georgia – though I thought Jody has done a great job there. Uh, Kentucky did beat Alabama, who upset Tennessee. We will get back to that matchup in a second. Uh, Mississippi State uh, did beat LSU. And then Texas A&M upset Missouri. Let's go back to the second round game, though, with Tennessee getting beat by Alabama. Um, what can we expect from Tennessee? I mean, I, I know that's a question that none of us have been able to really answer this year. Um, they give me heart palpitations when AP voting comes up because you just don't know, yes, no, don't know. Um, what can we expect from them, you think, uh, in the NCA tournament?
6: I think you can expect the unexpected.
1: <laughs> they have been
6: just an anomaly all year long. you know. So every time they have a great game, which uh, I had their last game of this uh, season when they beat Mississippi State at Mississippi State, best I'd seen them play, and then they followed it up with that loss to Alabama. But that was pretty much the way it went all year long. You know, they beat mm-hmm. four of the top ten teams in the country. At one point, the only number one seed over that they hadn't beaten was Baylor. So mm-hmm. they've proven they can beat number one seeds, and then they can lose to Alabama twice in one year who was near the bottom of the conference. And, you know, I just, they just really struggled uh, with teams they should beat. So, but they have been to the elite eight. So they tend to put it together come tournament time. So that is a team that's going to be really underseeded and nobody's going to want to play.
1: Yeah, I agree right now. Charlie cream has them as a seven seed in the Lexington region, um, starting off in College Park. And, uh, yeah, that that's not what you want to see if you're Brenda Freeze. They are in that mm-hmm. bracket as the two seed. Um, so as we continue to look at, at again, these early matchups, Missouri is a team that I have a ton of respect for. You know, I just – obviously, Robin pinson Coach of the Year. I mean, Sophie Cunningham has to be one of the toughest players I've ever laid eyes on. You know, they didn't have Jordan Frerichs this year. They made zero excuses. Um, But it looks like Texas A&M had a little more juice than they did in that quarterfinal game. What did you see uh, in the matchup between those two teams? Yeah, when
6: Missouri is flowing offensively, when they've got good spacing, move the ball, take care of the ball, that's the key, they are, it's beautiful to watch their team play. Just so Mm -hmm. unselfish. And Sophie Cunningham is just a beast. I mean, she is, one of one of the most dynamic players, most versatile players in the SEC. But when they get pressured, severe pressure, when they don't take care of the ball, when they get out of rhythm, that's when that's their Achilles' heel, and uh, that's what we saw a And M. They really uh, ramped up the pressure, and uh, just Missouri was all out of sorts. So I feel mm-hmm. like it really is going to depend on matchups for them. If they don't have a team that really gets up and in the passing lane and really presses them full full court and they can run their stuff, they're going to be tough to beat.
1: Yeah, they're, they're really balanced on offense, and you just never know. Michaelis is a weapon. I mean, they've gotten some really good contributions across the board. So moving right along, um, South Carolina and Kentucky in the semifinals. Uh, South Carolina would prevail, but I believe that's the game – um, and, that, and that score does not tell the story because I thought that Kentucky really, really put up a fight. But I believe that's the game where Elena Coates um, looked like she got re-injured. What, what is her status that you know of? And, and kind of what did you think about the matchup between those two teams?
6: Yeah, Elena Coates um, didn't play much at all. And, uh, you know, you really couldn't tell even when we watched the replay what she did. But it looks like just re aggravated that ankle. Uh, so they're just going to rest her you know, and and the good thing is they've got a a good week to rest her uh, before they play again but that honestly was one of my favorite games all season long so the score is not indicative of the type of game it was it was just back and forth Uh, Epps and Akator they were just monsters for Kentucky and it was just one big play after another Um, Kayla Davis you know, she started to really come along for South Carolina, had two really good games in the tournament. So uh, one of my favorite games all year. Kentucky's going to be dangerous. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, put, I had uh, Matthew Mitchell on my semifinals list, I guess you could call it, for Coach of the Year, National Coach of the Year, just because, I mean, let's be honest, Kentucky was a place where no one wanted to be. I mean, he, a totally new staff. Um, he had players leave. And for them to, you know, finish in the league where they did at the 4 spot, I mean, I didn't see that coming. Um, yeah, you know, I, you said this, to...
6: I thought it was his best uh, coaching job this year. Yeah. He, he had walk-ons on, uh, out on the floor against South Carolina. I mean, it was just really amazing what hes he's gotten every little piece that he can get out of that team.
1: Yeah, and they didn't have Taylor Murray. I mean, that was the telling thing. I'm like, I look and see her on the bench, and I'm like, how are they doing this against South Carolina without her? But you're right, that's a great coaching job. Of course, he's got Lynn Dunn. That always helps a little bit. That boosts the team up uh, quite a bit, so that that's good, too. Um, the other semifinal game, Mississippi State and Texas A&M. Um, you know, Mississippi State's been an intriguing team down the stretch of the season, too. I mean, they, they've, they've fallen off quite a bit. Uh, we'll get to them in, against South Carolina in a second, but just overall with Mississippi State, what do you feel like is missing right now?
6: Well, right now it's Victoria Vivians. You know, she is their best player. She had a great season, but then she is really she struggled in that SEC tournament. Um, just could not find her shot. She started to uh, towards the end of the first half in the championship game, but before that uh, I mean, it was just a struggle for her. So she has got to get their, her confidence back because to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament, she's going to be have to be at her best.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing about this team is that they're already delicate offensively. You know, I mean, their defense is awesome. When they can create turnovers, they're great. But is Dominique Dillingham going to give you extra points? Is Breonna Richardson you know, Chinway Okori has to be solid on the inside. Like they've got, they've got some potential on the offensive end, but when you don't have Vivian to spread the floor, I mean, they just, they need her to be at their best um, on the offensive end. But they did beat Texas A and M. Um, Gary Blair's did another fantastic job there. And the final against South Carolina, and Mississippi State. You know, this was a rematch of one of the best games we've seen all season. I mean, I I just, I was very excited about, you know, what this game would teach us about these two teams. What did you learn in this game um, about these two teams?
6: Well, I said it before the game, and I I feel so strongly that Kayla Davis is really, she is the X factor for South Carolina. You really know what you're going to get from Asia Wilson. You're going to get an All-American performance every single night and a lot of solid players around her. But it's Taylor Davis, when she raises her level of play, which she did in the SEC tournament, now I'm seeing really a legitimate Final Four potential national champion team uh, in South Carolina. So that's what I saw from them. And again, Mississippi State, their defense is always going to be good, but offensively it's really Vivian's is going to have to gain her confidence. Morgan William, I thought, you know, did a tremendous job, one of the best point guards in the country, but uh, she's going to need some help.
1: Yeah. And, I, and you're right about South Carolina. I actually tweeted that. I feel like they've arrived because um, I've always felt like they've won the games that they're supposed to win. But sometimes in the games that, you know, they're, they're not the favorite, they, they hadn't been always able to get over that hump. And they were the favorite in this game, but they were short handed. I mean, they didn't have Elena Coates. That could have been an easy out for them. But you're right, Kayla Davis stepping up at the right time is huge. I mean, and that was a challenge for Don Staley from a coaching standpoint to say, okay, how can I continue to morph this team that started out so focused on post play? You know, how can I move these pieces around? How can I get Kayla some confidence? Because I think we knew all year that Kayla is so capable, but just had to get into a rhythm and knock down shots. So I thought that was huge for South Carolina as well. Looking at uh, what Charlie Cream has right now in the the SEC for the NCAA tournament. Now, things are moving, and we want to say that again, fans. Things are moving around, so you never know what's going to happen. But as of this moment, he has seven teams in. South Carolina as a one seed, Mississippi State as a two, Kentucky as a four seed, Texas A&M as a six, Missouri as a seven seed, Tennessee as we mentioned as a seven, and LSU at as a nine seed. Um, anything stand out to you about what's expected to happen in the SEC?
6: Well, I think like like we talked earlier, I think Tennessee they they are legitimately a seven seed. However, no one is going to want to face them in this tournament because they've proven time and time again they can beat anyone when they are really locked in and focused and playing defense at an elite level. So I think that's the team that that nobody in the country wants to see in their bracket. I think yeah. um, Kentucky, you know, I think they're really playing great basketball right now, and I think uh, they're, they're going to get to play their first couple of games at home. I think they're a team that, Again, on any given night, uh, especially if a Taylor Mur- Murray can come back um, healthy and confident, because you know she had 29 the last time they played against South Carolina. So this kid can mm-hmm. play. You know she was playing yeah. her best basketball. So that's that third person that really they need to play at that elite level. Um, and then after that, you know Mississippi State. It's a it's, it depends on Vivian's how far they can go, and then South Carolina. I just really think with or without elena Coates, when elena Coates is out um i think that's when taylor davis tends to actually play better because it opens up the floor more they've got four guards and take mm-hmm. more responsibility um so i think that's asia wilson <clears throat> she takes more responsibility she always plays well but she knows she is absolutely the go-to um when Elena Coates is out. So I, I I think they're final four bound the way they're playing right now. And I really believe they can win the national championship.
1: Yeah, I mean, they look good. And, and I am a huge Asia Wilson fan. I think she can carry a team, no doubt. Would not at all be worried about that. And going back to Taylor Murray, uh, so fans know, she was sidelined in the SEC tournament with a neck strain and whiplash. So that is something that, she could recover from um and be available in the NCA tournament. So that would be something that we can keep our eyes on. Gail Guessing course, thank you so much for your time. Now you have to tell fans where can they follow you in the NCA tournament on social media? What's up next for you? Give us the give us the four one one.
6: Gail goes ten. Um, that's where you can find me. Uh I'm not I'm not great at social media, but I do my very best. Um I'm not, you know, up up in it like uh Lachina is. She's the queen of social media. So <laughs> I just wanna be like her someday. Um oh, but I'm gonna be in the first couple of rounds in a regional, pretty excited, so uh not sure where I'll be obviously. Um but wherever I'll be, I'll be happy.
1: Well, we are. Um, we just wanted to know what your Twitter handle was so we can tweet you and tell you all the fantastic things we hear you say on television. Because I've learned so much from you. Not only are you a good friend, but you're so smart. If I could get like one, one hundredth of your basketball knowledge, I would be a much better analyst. So um, oh, we well, can exchange. You give you're me bad. your. You give me your basketball knowledge. I'll give you some social media. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll exchange. <laughs> Um, you can also call her Swaggy G. Thank you so much, Gail, for joining us on the show. And um, thank you for all you do for the game. It's just fantastic to have you involved at whatever level because you add so much value. Thank you so much.
6: China, thank you. And thank you for all you do for the game. And I love you. You take care. I
1: love you, too. <laughs> we'll talk soon. Thank you. Okay. Fourth quarter.
6: Out of
4: bounds.
1: Hey fans, it's Lachina Robinson and it is the fourth quarter. Tariqa and I have enjoyed having you as a part of Around the Rim. Please continue to tweet us if you like the show, if you don't like the show, if you agree, if you disagree, it don't matter. Just hit us up, hashtag Around the Rim. Um, before we go, there's still so many tickets to be punched to the NCAA tournament. We talked about the Power 5 teams that are already in. The Big East tournament champion will be decided tonight. It will be between DePaul and Marquette. Um, Belmont has already punched their ticket out of the Ohio Valley Conference. Dayton has punched their ticket out of the 8-10. Chattanooga out of the Southern Conference, which is a huge, huge deal because Mercer has had a fantastic season. Um, also out of the MAC, M-A-A-C, or the MAC, as Julianne Viani taught us, Quinnipiac, or Quinnipiac is coming out of the MAC, um The American, it's all UConn. Tarika, I know you were there. I'm going to get your closing thoughts on that in a minute. Um, and then we already talked about Big 12, West Virginia, and the other uh, power conferences that have been decided. But, Tarika, so much more to be done. Summit, SWAT, the Southland Conference, the West Coast Conference, CAA, Horizon, Ivy League, the WAC, Atlantic Sun, Uh, Miac, Big South, Mountain West, Big West, Missouri Valley, America East, Patriot League, NEC, MAC, MAC, Big Sky, Sunbelt, Conference USA. Yes, I mentioned everyone. Uh, But there's still so much to be decided. But your thoughts, Tarika? as I know you went to the American Athletic Conference Championship. How about Katie Lou Samuelson? I mean, what in the world was that? She was
2: fantastic phenomenal. I mean, it was like fourth quarter, maybe about two minutes or three minutes left in the game. When I saw the 10th three-pointer hit that net I was like you know what this chick can do no wrong tonight <laughs> like, I mean it's it's been totally amazing what she's been able to do this entire year to be honest but last night just kind of further proved and further showed why UConn continues to be where it is in in regards to the hierarchy of women's basketball because Gino continues to find players like Katie Lou Samuelson who can continue to play at an elite level
1: UConn did go on to beat South Florida to 144 and Katie Lou did have record breaking f- scoring 40 points with the record was the 10 made 3 pointer she made every 3 she shot she was perfect so that sets a division 1 record for consecutive 3 pointers in a game and also set the tournament single game scoring mark so shout out to Katie Lou Samuelson, who deserves to close our show. That's it. We have nothing else to say. We are dropping the mic. Katie Lou, 10 threes. We will see you next week on Around the Rim, fans. It's March Madness. Get excited.
3: Thank you for listening to Around the Rim. Check out more podcasts from
0: ESPN on the ESPN app.